With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome into this episode of the Denver Stiff Show. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Senior writer Gordon Gross has been given the night off tonight. He's dealing with a migraine, hopefully safe recovery, safe return for next week's episode. But in his place, of course, we have our steadfast deputy site manager of Denver Stiffs, Zach Mikosh. Zach, how are you doing, man? I am doing well. I am Headache-free, I take two Tylenol and two ibuprofen every single day, so that would be my suggestion to Mr. <laughs> Gross. Who knows what that's doing to my liver, but headache-free. Yeah, can't, can't imagine that that's super healthy for you, but whatever helps you get through the day, I guess, as long as it's not like uh, detracting from, from your physical well-being. Uh, are you doing okay over there, man? Yeah, man, I'm not like like down in six of them, you know. I mean, it's just it's, just, it's the it's the recommended dosage for uh, an adult. That is true. Yeah. That is true. We we won't we won't be making any judgments today, and especially since we will be judging some medical records that came out on Tuesday, and that is that Nikola Jokic he uh, he went over to Serbia over this past couple of weeks to. Hang out with his Serbian friends, uh, go back and visit Serbians before going back into the United States and going into the Orlando bubble. He's been preparing and he's been in Denver for a long time after this coronavirus outbreak. And he went back to Serbia and we don't know if this is when it ultimately happened, but it came out earlier this week that he tested positive for coronavirus. And we haven't heard an update as of recording this on Thursday night, if there's something that comes out on Friday, something that comes out late Thursday night, then you'll probably be the first ones to hear it. Our nugget, our Denver stiff show audience. Uh, when you heard he tested positive, Zach, what level of concern did you have for him and for the nuggets overall? Well, I mean, you get a, you have obviously a, a level of concern for Nicole in, in general, just as, as a person and, you know, as, as a young man who's got a lot of, of his life ahead of him, you first hear that he has been diagnosed with it. You don't know, you know, how is he doing? And then it, it comes out that he's asymptomatic, which is, which is great to hear. They just know that, you know, he's not in any immediate danger. We, we still obviously don't know what, what the long-term effects, uh, even for asymptomatic people are with this disease. So there's, there's still, I think some level of concern there and, and you just hope that everything's going to be okay for Nicola and that, you know, that he's feeling well and that he's everything uh, that, you know, the doctors are, are reading and looking at on him is, is coming out well because at the end of the day, like this is so much bigger than basketball in general. Like this is, this sure. is about, you know, your life and like, um, it's even even it, it it still is somewhat about basketball if there can be you know if you were to push it now if there were some going to be long term effects 
uh, that would maybe hamper his ability to play down the road. Like you, you'd have to look at it as this is one season. So I think the, the there's certainly a lot of concern for for Nicola and, and just um, hope hope that everything is is going to be fine. And it sounds like that's the way it is, you know. And and there's certainly lots of plenty of evidence of people who are who do you know get at least uh, asymptomatically um, infected with this virus and, and are just fine at the end of the day. So like um, <clears throat> that's, that's just what you're hoping for, for, for Nicole and that he gets uh, he's well and that, that if he is, he's able to play up to his normal standards and, and not do any sort of um, long-term damage, you know, to his body. And, and if that's the case, then, then that's awesome uh, for him and for Denver. Cause he looked like he was in, uh, excellent shape when he went over there to Serbia. So I, you know, in terms of what it is for the Nuggets, that's it's it's basically whether or not you have Nikola Jokic. And I think for the Nuggets, they've got to approach it the same way as as they're gonna obviously put the well being of Nikola first and in the right. uh, the competitiveness of the team second. So um, we'll just have to see what happens. But if, like I said, for as as far as we know, everything we've heard is 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 positive, and um, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get to see. Svelte honey here in Orlando in just a couple weeks. <laughs> I like Svelte honey. That's a that's a good long term nickname for him. It's probably better than Svelte Joker. Um, yeah, you you mentioned it at the top there. We don't really know the long term effects of coronavirus very well. Uh, one potential effect that has been in studies is on the lungs and respiratory system and could potentially have long term impacts there. Uh, this isn't source. right. It's, I mean, it's it's a respiratory virus, right? I mean, yeah. like that's that's what it does. It it attacks your lungs for sure. So it would be bad for a basketball player to have a lung problem or to have a respiratory right. issue because basketball players, almost more than any professional athlete, needs their stamina, needs their endurance, right. and needs to be able to breathe while out on the court. Uh, and it would really suck if Jokic weren't able to do that. Uh, he's he's gotten into great shape. He's done a really good job of of staying focused and staying uh, like in in the best possible shape that he could get during this pandemic. And at that it's one of the concerns for me is that if if he weren't able to breathe very well at this new weight, then if he were to gain even more weight, then you'd imagine that it would be. A little bit worse than that, even. So I'm I'm concerned. I don't know whether that's founded. I think that we are just going to have to see. We're just going to have to let this play out. But it was one of those things that I I was at at least raising my eyebrows a little bit. But one thing I do want to push back on that I've heard from national people, from local people, is this idea that uh, Jokic shouldn't have been traveling back to Serbia because of the pandemic, because of the social distancing. I understand why people say that. I understand that, yes, that's probably true. But the dude was stuck here for three months in Denver. He hadn't left. He was just been at his apartment doing as creative of exercises and eating as possible in order to stay as focused as he could. The dude is about to go into the Orlando bubble for three months. You got to give him at least a little bit of a reprieve there if he wants to go hang out with his family and friends back in Serbia where he grew up. Like, I I, I was kind of blown away when people were <laughs> bashing him uh, over social medias. I've, I heard it from local people and from some prevalent national media types who were taking the ethical route and saying that he should be leading by example and not being in 
public places without a mask. He probably should have had a mask on, and he'll he'll definitely learn from that for the next time. But it's uh, it, it was a little bit frustrating that he he literally is the superstar that cannot win in this league. Yeah, it's well, I mean, I, I think clearly from from the pictures that were that we saw, he was not following. Um, social distancing protocols. He was not wearing a mask. Neither was anybody else at that event. Uh, so right. it's, it's not just he, a, a failure on Nicola's part is a failure on, on the events part, um, entirely, which there's been, you know, I mean, there's been some of that going on over in Serbia well, with some frankly, of their sporting events. Frankly, it probably should have been mandated to have masks for, for the right. event's sake. Like if you're going to have a gathering that's indoors with us, with several people, you probably should be requiring people to wear a mask. So I, I don't necessarily put that on Nicola. I mean, he, he probably should have had a mask on anyway, but I, I, I at least get it. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, I understand, like, right, like you said, I, I totally understand him wanting to go back to Serbia and, and see his friends and his family, and uh, and I and I would not in any way uh, criticize him for doing that. You know, I think he, could he have been safer? Obviously, yes, and that's Something that him and, and a lot of people right now, young and old, are are learning, um, and in in that this is probably there needs to be taken a little bit more serious than they are, and that's some of them unfortunately are learning it in in terrible ways. And Nicola, in that way, like we said, has been very lucky, you know, to be asymptomatic and and not really suffering the devastating effects that this virus can have. So you. You, I, I, I guess, I guess you can, if you're going to criticize someone for making a mistake, okay, but like, you know, you, I wouldn't demonize it or I wouldn't put too much on Nicola because like, like we said, it's it really, if you're going to look at anybody to blame, it's, it's the people who are organizing the event. It's the people who allowed the event to happen really in the first place. Um, because there was pretty clear, but from the photos we saw that this was this not just Nicola like acting recklessly. It was the, an entire community of people just not following the protocols. And and now we've we've seen there's you know several people who have caught the virus because of it. So it's yeah, it's it's, it's not it's, like it's not like Nicola was was sauntering in there without a mask around a whole bunch of other people that were masked up. If you know what I mean, like it it really yeah, was a a friendly gathering with a bunch of people who were not social distancing in any way, shape, or form. So, I I I I'm totally there with you. It's it's too bad. Right. Are you surprised that we haven't heard more star players testing positive? Because the only names that I can remember or recall off of my head are Jokic, Kevin Durant, Rudy Gobert, and Donovan Mitchell. I, those guys can't be the only guys who tested positive, correct? Well, you know, I know like Malcolm Brogdon is another one. Um, there's like the like the, the the Kings have had it pretty rough. Uh, oh, like there was four. there was a report that that the Kings were the team that had four yeah, uh, coronavirus it, cases, but then they refuted it and said, no, this wasn't us. Lo and behold, it came out. Yes, it was you. You guys had a bunch of cases on your team. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> and so like there there I think like Buddy Heald is another one. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's yeah, you haven't heard the big names, right? We haven't heard nobody from the L.A. teams. Nobody, not Giannis or anyone like that. Um. There was a report that a couple of the Lakers got it, but I don't think any names were shared. Uh, it wasn't like they said Kyle Kuzma has tested positive for coronavirus right. or LeBron James has tested positive. So 
I, I do think that there is something to be said that some of these small market teams are getting flamed and their their stars are, are being leaked by the national media and none of the none of the large none of the large teams are like Malcolm Brogdon, bunch of Kings guys, Jokic, Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Kevin Durant's the only one, and I think he shared that himself. Right. Right. Yeah, I you know, I don't know. I mean it's it's hard. It's so hard to say because we don't know what these guys have been doing for the past few months. Like, you know, we get a little tidbits. We know LeBron's been making TikTok videos with his family. But other than that, there's not, you know, there's not a ton to go off of. So um, it, it could just simply be all coincidence. And that now we're just kind of seeing, you know, as, as we've seen with Jokic, like guys who have taken risks are clearly the ones who are going to be more susceptible to catching it. That's just that's just how it goes. And so it could simply be that, you know, maybe these you know, when you also think about it, these LA teams, uh even even the Bucks, they're they're veteran teams. So maybe they're they're taking it a little bit more serious and they're uh not not going out and and being uh quite as careless as we've seen, you know, not just in the NBA but as with across the world. Uh Younger people tend to be a little bit more Lacks open with, yeah, exactly with the uh, with the restrictions for social distancing and things like that. Because you know, as as they know, they're less susceptible to uh, the mo- more harmful effects of it. Yeah, it's too bad. I, I I don't think anybody wanted to see anybody get infected by this. But right. as as we're we're seeing, and the NBA is clearly gearing up towards their return, that they're still full steam ahead on this thing. And just because Nikola Jokic got the coronavirus doesn't necessarily mean that they're yep. stopping. Uh, with Jokic testing positive, though, do you do you think that you have any second thoughts about the NBA starting up again? Should the NBA be having second thoughts right now with what's going on in Orlando? Yeah, that's. I I mean not so much. It's yes. I guess would be the 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 answer. The easy answer to that is because of uh, of a multitude of factors. Because it's not just Jokic, right? There's, there's multiple players who are testing positive for coronavirus right now. Yeah. Um, that's and I think that's an issue that the NBA is trying to right now be like, okay, we've got to. They're, they they had they they expected that to happen, right? Like, right. and so that's they kind of why they said we're gonna do a in your own city training camp first before we all go to Orlando, probably so they can get okay. Anybody who tests positive uh, when we all come back on the first day, then those people can immediately start quarantining, and they'll have time before everybody goes to Orlando, you know, to start having negative tests. And we can potentially, you know, find, figure out, okay, who's everybody who has it right now, get them quarantined, get that, get everybody else to maintain basically a quarantine as well. Like these guys essentially are going into a bubble now. It's just, they're going to be bubbles in their own little cities first before they go into the bubble, right. the bubble in Orlando. So, you know, I mean, there's, they're taking steps, I guess, to, to try and obviously minimize further coronavirus infections at Orlando. Um, but the problem you have is you can only minimize that within your own group of players and personnel. You can't minimize what's going on in Florida right now. And so, yeah, I mean, I would, I would certainly, it would give me pause. But the, the thing is, is like, it's, 
when the NBA announced this and said that this was what they were going to do, it was pretty much at that point, you know, we're we're moving forward and and this is we're going to try and pull this off. It's going to take you know if if there it's going to take an outbreak in within the NBA community in Orlando to stop this thing at this point. It's going to take an entire team that's going to be a 3 or a 4 or a 1 or whatever a, a significant team in the these playoffs losing eight players or something like that to this thing. When that happens, they're going to have to shut it down. They're not going to have a choice. But until that happens, they're going to continue to march forward because, I mean, it's committed. Like, they're, they're, there's a ton of logistics that have gone this. There's already a ton of money that has been spent on making this happen. Like, they're, to stop it now from, from a business standpoint would be catastrophic. So that... That's why they're going to do it. But like personally, me, like yeah, I would, I would certainly be second thinking it. But that's that does not appear to be what they're going to do. I hear you. I'm, I'm still with the way that you described it. Again, they're going into a bubble. They're going into a secondary bubble within their own cities in order to make sure that everybody is as healthy as possible before getting into this thing. So they really are taking all of these precautions, and I, I still think they have some things that. They should be workshopping and trying to figure out, given the fact that in Orlando, there are a lot of cases that are popping up right now. You would hope that the workers that are going in and out of there that have to service the hotel during that time, that have to, that are going to be providing entertainment and uh, food and cleaning service Manny and whatnot. Petties. Yeah, Manny Patties, hey, the important stuff, that they be <laughs> as quarantined as well. Like, that to me seems... Pretty logical, given that you, you're trying to get a bubble. Uh, it's supposed to be, but a but that's bubble. not what they're going to do. That's not what they're going to do, though. So we're going to see. We're going to. It's it's going to be really interesting, and and I'm hopeful that nothing slips through the cracks. But I'm kind of expecting it at this point. Uh, there will be cases. It just depends on how well people can contain it and who gets caught. Because if if the wrong team or the wrong person gets coronavirus at the wrong time, then we could see a lot of interesting stuff in these playoffs or maybe even not any playoffs at all. Uh, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about P.J. Dozier signing a multi-year contract with the Nuggets going forward. All right, we're back. Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here, joined, of course, by Zach Mikosh. Gordon Gross is on assignment to get healthy. Uh, Zach, we don't know the terms of the deal that P.J. Dozier signed, but it turns out he did sign one. According to Sham Sharania, he signed a deal that we have since figured out as a multi-year contract. Uh, Shout out to Nick Cosminder, Mike Singer of the Denver Post. Uh, those guys really cracked down on that one very quickly. Uh, but there's going to be guaranteed money. There's going to be extended years. It's not just going to be for the rest of this season. Uh, Zach, were you excited to hear about the news? Like, was was PJ Dozier signing a contract? Was that enough Nuggets news to really get you going on Wednesday? Uh, that's right. Yes, that was. Uh, it pulled me out of my funk the minute I found out <laughs> PJ Dozier. 
He's getting a full <laughs> deal. I was like, yes. Be respectful. Come on. That's a South Carolina guy. The day is the day has finally turned. No, I um I I mean no, I'm stoked for PJ. It's awesome. And he totally as I kind of said in a round table, he totally deserves it. I mean, he's he showed, I thought, particularly down the stretch there, that he was a guy who the Nuggets could use in situations to help them win basketball games. Like he was a valuable player. He's not just some into the bench guy. And the Nuggets have had a habit of finding these guys, right? That's they did this with Monty Morris. Now, granted, Monty Morris was their own second round draft pick, but he was a guy who they put in the G League first and on a two way contract. And then he eventually showed that he could be someone they could use to win basketball games. Now he's a full rotation player. Torrey Craig, another guy who, you know, when they brought him up from the G League, they gave him minutes and he showed that he had a valuable role to play in this league and now he's not maybe as big of a rotation player as Monty Morris but he still is a guy who coach Malone goes to frequently and does have a role and a specialty to play in uh, the NBA and PJ Dozier is a guy now who I think is going to be sort of your Tory Craig replacement because Tory Craig is going to be uh, a free agent and if he particularly if Tory Craig plays in this playoffs like he did last year somebody's going to pay him probably more than the Nuggets want to pay him. Like I could sure. see like if he shoots around 40% from three uh, and plays good defense, like could somebody offer him like five, six million a year? Like I could totally see it. And if I'm the Nuggets, I'm like, I don't know if I really want to pay that when I can pay PJ Dozier, what I would expect to be around like a million and a half a year, right? you know, and get, and get still a little bit different type of player, but still get someone who can be, that guy who plays maybe not regular rotation minutes, but is, you know, a, a situational player, a role player, a guy who ends up averaging, you know, around 12 minutes, 10, 12 minutes a game, uh, and maybe plays in 60 of the, you know, or, or I guess 75% of the games that he's actually active for. Sure. And, and I, I totally agree with you there. Given Denver's roster situation, uh, I think PJ Dozier is a great fit. And here's why. Uh, I'm mostly excited about the length and the athleticism that he brings to the perimeter. And while the Nuggets have really strong perimeter players for the most part, Jamal Murray, he's more of a he's more of a technically sound and skilled guy. He doesn't necessarily rely on physical tools as much. Uh, same thing with Monte Morris. Same thing with Gary Harris. Those guys are uh, within their technique, within their fundamentally sound nature. They create baskets and create opportunities and edges for themselves. Dozier's a guy that provides that physical dynamic that could be really overwhelming for against certain players. Like let's say, let's say Trey Young, for example, a smaller guard who, if he wasn't able to get past a guy like PJ Dozier, Dozier has the length and the athleticism and the quickness to be able to really bother a guy like that. So we've seen Torrey Craig do those things for Denver. Uh, but people forget that Torrey Craig is, he's actually a lot older. He's closer, he's in his 28, 29, age 30 season, around that age. Uh, Dozier is a lot younger. He's 24, 25 from, if I remember correctly. He might even be younger than that. Um, but he provides that dynamic, that athleticism, that ability to be a little bit more flexible at a, lo- at a low cost price from what we're understanding. 
Um, we don't know the terms of the deal, but we talked before this podcast. We both kind of expect this thing to be around what Lugetz Dort got for the Oklahoma City Thunder. He got a four-year deal worth $5.4 million. That's just under $1.5 mil a season. Uh, I would expect uh, P.J. Dozier to get about $1.5 million, and you said about three years. Uh, so go go over the terms of that if you can so we could, we could talk about that and, and figure this out from the uh, Nuggets roster perspective. Yeah, so I mean, if you, it's really like the it's the Monty Morris deal. We're similar to that because they signed Monty after the season was over, um, which is I was probably assuming is what they had planned on doing with PJ Dozier, but they were like, well, you know, uh, we might as well get it done now. We've got the open roster spot. Uh, there's probably I don't know. There's probably some quirk about getting it done now that made sense well they also uh, need guys there. for this bubble like that could be a really big thing that if you you want to you want to lock him up before and if you if you plan on playing him and if he performs well then he's a guy that could also be uh like i, I think it's notable that they signed him to an extension they didn't sign tory craig to an extension for example right yeah, and that and that is a very very good point. And that you could be on to something that maybe they plan on using PJ, or they just don't want the, the, the opportunity to let him hit the open market um, if he plays well in this in this upcoming Orlando bubble scenario. But yeah, I mean, I expect him to have something around like a three year deal. Now, one of those years would be this year. So it wouldn't really matter for much. So essentially what I would expect is he's going to get on average about one and a half million. You know, um, this year would probably be like a prorated 1.4 or whatever the, um, I guess he's probably getting like close to the veteran minimum, but whatever the number uh, is, honestly. Right. And then, and then, and then it's, you know, 1.5 next season. And then it's like a partial guarantee, probably not for much, or maybe even just a non guarantee for like 1.6 or 1.7 in the following season. So basically they would have him locked up for next year and then have the option to keep him the following season. That, that's what I would expect. It could be like, a, like Lou Dortz too, which is basically the, the same thing, except for they get two years. He, Lou Dortz is almost like basically they gave him, uh, a first round pick contract, right? Except for he, right. they, he, they got him at a discount for the first year. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's talk about the, the roster real quick. The players who are under contract for the 2020 21 season. And I've broken this down by guards, wings, forwards, and bigs, just to make things a little bit more simple. Uh, guards, you have four of them now, Murray, Harris, Morris, and then Dozier joins that group wings. You have Will Barton. He's a six, five, six, six guy, uh, definitely a slender wing, but somebody who I think you definitely classify in that group. Forwards, you have Porter, you have Bates Diop, and you have Vlako Chanchar, your guy. Um, and bigs, you have Nikola Jokic and Bull Bull. That leaves a bunch of guys that that play significant roles for this team that are still free agents. And you've got Paul Millsap yeah. in that group, Torrey Craig, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and then you've got Troy Daniels and Noah Vonley, who I don't expect them to bring back. Uh, uh, but they could. They certainly could choose to bring back Vonley if they, if they wanted to, but that team is still pretty light on the wings. And I wonder if Dozier, given that his frame is 6'6", given that he's, he's probably just as big, if not slightly bigger than Barton, that he might be able to be classified as a wing in a lot of those lineups. The question that you come into is, can he shoot the ball? 
He's a career 25% three-point shooter. He's 61.5% from the free throw line. Now it's only eight for 13 in his entire NBA career. Um, But his G League free throw percentage, it wasn't drastically better. It was circled at around 70%. So can he shoot the ball? Can he develop that is probably the biggest question for Dozier going forward because if he can – that, that changes things significantly for the Nuggets, and they may have gotten a gem in Dozier if he can figure that out. Yeah, and that's um, – it's the same story with Torrey Craig. It's it's the difference, I guess, now is you're trading a, a defensive specialist who you're hoping can hit become hit threes and become a 3 and D guy to a guy who also is a, someone, you know, can give you some length on defense – out on your perimeter, but also, but gives you a more playmaking and is a playmaking option. Um, but you also want him to be like, you know, a, 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 a backup guard who can, a Will Barton, right? That's who you want. Will sure. Barton, one of the parts that makes Will Barton, one of the reasons that Will Barton was able to become, uh, an everyday player and become a starter is because he developed a, a three point range, a consistent three point range. So, that's something that if you can get that out of PJ Dozier, I'm with you. He makes him suddenly a very valuable part of your rotation. A guy who's maybe on the fringes of even being a starter for your team, uh, or at least a, a six man option for you. Um, the, the question is, is yeah, can he develop it? And I think a lot of the times shooting is one of those things that guys just naturally can develop once they get into the NBA. It's kind of like, Shooting and, and, you know, like body, like just physique are the two things you really feel like. And I feel like in basketball, they get the most developed once guys hit the pros because this is, those are two things that are based off of like repetition, right? Like a guy can get into bigger and better shape just because he continuously is working out more and more. And the same thing with shooting. And, but the thing that also comes with being in the pros is now you have the resources to like, there's no excuses or reasons not to like, if you want to go get up shots, as much shots as you want, like you can do that anytime you want. And you're the pro same thing with, if you want to go hit the weights or if you want to, you know, get on a nutrition plan, whatever it is, like those resources are always going to be available, available to you once you're in the pro. So now that PJ's kind of like settled into it and it's like, yep, he's going, he knows he's going to be here. Cause he's a guy who's bounced around, right? He's had, this is oh, what yeah. I think his third NBA team that was the nuggets. So he's had some chances Hasn't been able to catch on. Now he's finally there. He's got it. He's got the, instead of having to focus on just like, man, I got to hang on into the league and I'm playing in summer leagues and I'm playing, you know, every kind of different time I can just to playing in G leagues and taking bus rides to different games. Like now he's got the time to actually perfect his or perfect his craft as a professional. Um, and, and he'll be able to develop, I think, more. So I think he's got a chance to certainly become a very, very good player or at least a, a solid role player for the Nuggets or for someone. Hopefully he can, the Nuggets will, um, be able to give him the next contract, right? Because that's now what you're kind of investing in is can this guy become a regular rotation player so much that we're going to pay him? Uh, you know, I mean, like look at Will Barton who got now paid, got $12 million a year. To, um, to be a starter for this team. Yeah, I, that's that's something that Will was given a three-year, $9 million contract initially and then very clearly outplayed that deal at the, at the beginning of it, and it became a nice value contract. 
Monte right. Morris had the same situation that we just played out. He had a a a two way contract that he turned into a three year four point five five million dollar deal, and he outplayed that very clearly. And he's still on so one of the question. best values in the NBA. What do you think Monte gets gets when he becomes a free agent? So it's it's going to be tough. It's going to be interesting based off of the salary cap situation. But he's a part right. of the 2021 class, which is pretty stacked. There are a lot of players that are going to be in that class and are going to be competing for that money. Uh, Tyus Jones got a four-year, $28 million deal, I'm pretty sure, with the Memphis Grizzlies. And that's around where... I would expect Monte Morris to be, if not just slightly higher. So I would guess yeah. a four-year 28, the four-year $32 million deal, somewhere in the seven, eight million range. And if they can get him for that, that's that's quality backup money. That's that's just what that is. So it's it's a good question. Yeah, but you don't you don't want to get him up into the four you don't want to get into the forties, four year forties millions, then you're starting to feel like but somebody could. I mean, like, I could see that, too. I could see somebody giving Monty Morris four-year, $48 million to be somebody who needs a starting point guard. Like, I could see them doing that. Well, think about what a guy like Fred Van Vliet could get. Um, he's, yeah. he's somebody who's been extremely good for the Toronto Raptors over the last year and a half or so and has really turned into one of the better guys who might change teams this year, who might be – a guy who gets a big contract from a team like the Knicks or the Detroit Pistons or uh, another young team that that's looking for a point guard to run their show. Uh, could Morris be that guy in 2021? I don't know. I think that it's at least possible. And the Nuggets are going to need a cutoff price for him. And it helps that they got PJ Dozier locked up. We don't know the extent of the years, but I would guess that he has at least a partial guarantee for that 2021-2022 season. And that's a really, really good uh, kind of exit strategy for Denver if they are looking at more signing a a large deal that they can't afford. Yeah, I agree. I don't know if P.J. Dozier is necessarily who I want to be the Nuggets' backup point guard, like full-time. I I think – that's probably asking a little bit much of his play playmaking skills. I think he, I like him more as a combo guard, um, in in a sort of a poor man's Will Barton mold. Uh, I think that's where he fill fits with Denver really well. But if you get into a pinch, you know he can play the point guard position, and you can use him whether it's Monty Morris getting injured or Monty. Um, you know, you, I, I think you'd probably have some bigger issues if, if you lose Monty to free agency. Like, yeah, maybe PJ Dozier can be your guy for a, a season. Uh, you probably don't want to rely on him long term, but he at least gives you that insurance where you feel okay. And if you don't feel forced to pay $12 million a season to keep Monty Morris because you've got no other options. Yeah, we're going to see. It's going to be interesting. Uh, Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to play a quick rotation game and hit on a final couple of tidbits. We'll be right back. Back, Denver Stiff Show, Ryan Blackburn here, joined of course by Zach Mikosh. 
uh, final segment here. We're going to start with a rotation game. Uh, this is we're not we're not going to go into the who's going to play more, who's going to. Uh, we're, we're not going to go into the standard Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray talk, but we're gonna we might we might touch on those guys a little bit. What I did is I broke down the starters, the rotation players, and the bench players into three separate categories. Uh, you've got the starters, of course. The cutoff for the rotation players is Mason Plumlee and Michael Porter Jr. were in the in the rotation, as was Tory Craig, uh, but the bench guys were. Most of the players that didn't play this year, including P.J. Dozier, who we just talked about a lot on segment two. So my question to you, Zach Mikosh, uh, pick a bench guy outside of the rotation that you are most interested in going into the bubble this year. Well, I think it has to be Dozier then, because I think he's the only one who actually has a chance to get minutes, if, especially if we're putting Torrey Craig in the uh, in the other category there, because... I mean, the other guys, it's obviously would only play in the event of an injury or somebody else catching coronavirus, I guess, would be another possibility there. And I mean, of those, I mean, like, if, if you have a point guard go down, whether it's Murray or Morris, I think you just bring in Dozier over, you know, Troy Daniels. If you have, uh, wing go down whether it's barton you know or michael porter jr or something i think you bring in dozier instead of katie bates diop the only thing is if you had your bigs go down um then you maybe would be thinking about either you know bates diop or um vlatko or 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 potentially even you know i I mean if it was centers you could even you can bring your two-way players to orlando so they could potentially even play bowl bowl i guess um, they've got Noah Vonley in that mix but, too. Uh, oh yeah, and Noah Vonley. I know. I was, I was like, there's some, there's somebody else. It's hard to remember who the back end of this. <laughs> it's been, it's been so long, man. Anymore. It's been, it's been way too long. Well, yeah, and they, it was just the we only had like they, they traded all the guys that they had on the in the back end of the uh, roster for you know a bunch of guys who are going to not be here next year. So <laughs> it's um. <laughs> Well, that, I don't think that changes much, honestly. But yeah, so I mean, I would the guy I would say it would be PJ Dozier because I think he's your first option in terms of if anybody gets hurt or can't play, he, then he, you're going to bring him in. And I think even if nobody, everybody's healthy, like there's still a chance you're going to bring him in 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 certain situations. So he'd be the guy out of the ones who are not in the rotation in any way that I'd probably have the most my eye on the most. Yeah, you know I'm partial to PJ. I think he's great. I think he he has a lot of potential as a defensive player, as a defensive stopper at the point of attack. Uh, just got a lot of length, and he's he's very smart on the defensive end too. So that's something that Michael Malone will definitely trust in a lot of those situations. And if uh, ho- hopefully not, uh, Monte Morris were to go down with coronavirus. You're probably playing Will Barton as the backup point guard. You're probably staggering Murray back there too, but those guys can't play all of those minutes and you might need PJ Dozier to fill in some. So uh, the other two that I would talk about is Keita Bates-Diop and Bol Bol. Bol Bol, not necessarily for the role that he's going to play in the playoffs, but I wonder if they were to, like given the fact that it's been a long time since Bol Bol has played any time, any time at all, uh, I wonder if to keep him engaged, they said that if in the last couple of games of the season, if they didn't have anything tangible to play for, let's say they're locked into the three seed. Uh, what if Bol Bol gets out there and gets some time? 
Give Mesa Plumlee some time off. Give give Nikola Jokic some time off. Get Bol Bol out there for 15 minutes. See what he does. Get it. Give him his professional debut. I think that would be really cool to see. That would be cool. I wonder if um they would they would ruin his chance for rookie of the year next season though by doing it. <laughs> true. So true. You 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 wouldn't want to you wouldn't want anything like that. And and given the twenty twenty class, you you may have a lot of guys that don't really well, deserve rookie it, of the I year. Mean, he probably wouldn't have won. What so what year Monty Morris would have been a rookie what it would have been last season, right? Who was who won rookie of the year last year? Uh he played briefly in the twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen season. Um, right, so he didn't count. I remember he played like like twelve or like ten minutes or something like that. It was sure. stupid. He didn't play at all. Um, but yeah, so who won Rookie of the Year last year? Uh, last year it was uh, Luca. Oh yeah, all right. well, he was definitely not going to beat Luca. So <laughs> no worries yeah. there. Yeah, never mind. <laughs> I uh, I'm 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 intrigued at least. I'm I'm writing off the. The rookie of the year stuff, just because I, if as if we, if we saw with Michael Porter Jr. that it doesn't matter how talented you are if you can't defend if you can't do the things fundamentally that Michael Malone asks you to do, it's going to be really hard to earn consistent time. Uh, so I, but I I at least want to see the kid. I, I want to see what he does, what he's capable of doing, how he moves in space at this stage of his development, and whether whether the Nuggets could consider playing him next season because it would be it would be really tough to have a guy that you that you've stuck on your roster for a couple of years and you can't play him for any of that time well you would love i mean you would love to yeah, to see something out of bowl bowl that makes you feel like okay we can let mason Plumley go we, we're not gonna have to pay him because we've got bowl bowl who's going to be our backup center you know moving forward it I don't know that you're going to get even even if you let him play for a little bit. I don't know that you're going to see enough here in Orlando to do it. But it would be nice, I guess. Yeah, to uh, if nothing else, boy, I'm tell you what, the NBA would love it if they. Oh yeah, playing. They'd love for Bull Bull to get thirty <laughs> minutes a night. That would be the quietest. Uh, that would be the quietest first intro ever uh, in the bubble. <laughs> like there is, there is no way, there is no way that anybody is hearing what Bull Bull is saying during that time, and that's okay. He's just a shy kid. Fair as enough, but the, he, um, as the twenty-three-year-old says, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, okay, and and well, the other guy that I, I wanted to mention briefly was Kata Bates Diop. The Nuggets, they didn't butcher the trade with Malik Beasley and Wancho Hernan Gomez. I I want people to recognize that that they did it for a reason. Uh, that reason might hurt them at least initially, just because in these bubble playoffs, you might need a Malik Beasley. You might need somebody off the bench who can give you 15 points in a very short span. Uh, but you hope to have that in Michael Porter Jr. anyway, so that's the that's the reason why. But the other guy that they got from that deal outside of a first-round pick was Kata, and he's very right. solid. He's very like He's not super impactful, but I was looking at his numbers defensively, and there are some good signs. There are some bad signs. Uh, I wonder if, if given the opportunity on a competent defense, because that's not what Minnesota was last year, if he could play a role in that sort of scheme, how he would do, because he's got the physical tools to be able to do it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, and that's kind of why I think the Nuggets brought him in. It was really, he was kind of like, okay, we're going to swap Jared Vanderbilt for Keita Bates-Diop, the same kind of contract, it's the same uh, real deal, but Bates-Diop was a little bit more of a, 
fit for what they needed, which is big perimeter guys. You know, Vanderbilt's more of a four five. Bates Diop is more of a four three. So it gives them um, more flexibility, a little more versatility there, yeah. a little bit better fit. You know, and and also I think Kate Bates Diop is, in my opinion, at least. I mean, he he's a more rounded player. He probably doesn't have a high of a ceiling as. Jared Vanderbilt does, but he's a player who has a much higher floor. And I think for the Nuggets right now, that was kind of what they needed as a team who's, you know, trying to basically go after a a finals run. They don't have time to really develop, especially a team who also doesn't have a G League team. Uh, They don't have time to develop a Jared Vanderbilt who's, who's got it just oozing with, with raw talent, but has a lot of ways to go to refine his game. Again, a guy like Kata Bates, I mean, he got minutes. Uh, in the NBA, he's shown he can play in this league. How good he is is kind of still yet to be seen, but he gave gives the Nuggets something more of an immediate option, some immediate depth that you probably feel a little bit better about. And yeah, if somebody um, were to get hurt, I think if you know you're looking at like Jeremy Grant, if Jeremy Grant or Michael Porter Jr. were to go down, then Kade Bates the up um, or PJ Dozier, but especially a guy like Jeremy Grant, like. Kate Bates the up is probably the guy you go to uh, to fill those minutes. So he's certainly got an opportunity, I think, in in Orlando to to get a shot if 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 somebody is isn't healthy or somebody gets hurt. Um, otherwise, I don't expect him to play. But a guy who's going to definitely be in camp competing next year for you know the ninth spot in that rotation, like he he should have uh, a, a shot at it if nothing else, and and we'll see what he can do with it. Unless they bring in somebody that clearly should play, like like a, a mid-level exception candidate, somebody that they, they let Paul Millsap go and decide to fill that money with somebody, some some competent veteran role player, then that would be a situation where I think, okay, it's fine. Like they, they had they have their starting front court and now they need some guys behind them. And then you're in that situation where you don't necessarily think that he'll play. But I it wouldn't surprise me at all. If he was averaging 15 minutes per game next year for the Nuggets, that's that's where I'm at with it, and I wouldn't be mad with it as long as they have other solid pieces around him. I think he could at least fill a role. Um, yeah, no doubt. I mean, I'm I'm with you. He can certainly be your kind of big hustle, energy, defensive guy off your bench who knocks down you know the occasional three. Like that's that's a role that the Nuggets could definitely need filled, especially if they lose Tory Craig. Okay. Let's move on. Let's let's do the rotation guys next. The guys who are not starters but are in the rotation. Uh, pick a rotation guy that you're most interested in going into the bubble. Yeah, I'm probably going with with Monty Morris on this one because he, you know, like he he did not have such a great playoffs last year. I mean, he wasn't terrible. Um, he couldn't hit a three though, and that and that really kind of limited his effectiveness uh in in the playoffs so he's a guy who's been is is looking to you know kind of get ready into going into a contract season he's a guy who's also kind of uh you know even though he's not like you know one of the best players on the team he's still and even though he's young he's still kind of naturally become one of the leaders i think on this team and like sure. he he's a guy who can really be I would say probably more than anyone else 
he's the guy who I think can really be the catalyst to keeping a team together in a weird situation. Keep the, in that Nuggets locker room, to me, he's the guy I look at to be more more than anyone. Is like he's the one that is going to help hold this team together and make sure that they don't get you know a bunch of cabin fever and and or be at each other's throats or or just do whatever, do dumb things while they're out there in Orlando. Like sure. I, I think he's gonna be. A, a leader for them off the court. And I think if he can get, you know, can, can knock down some threes this time around, could really actually be a much more impactful player on the court in the playoffs rather than what we saw last year. Yeah, this is a really big postseason for Monte. Uh, this also, this situation in the bubble reminds me a lot more of the NCAA tournament than it does of the NBA playoffs. Uh, just given that there's a lot of travel going on for these teams, there's, uh, it's a very weird situation for a lot of them, something they're not used to. Uh, in the playoffs, in the NBA, you get used to this general grind if you've been around for a while. Uh, but this bubble situation is going to be completely abnormal. And you need guys who are going to steady a ship. And Monte Morris is a guy who will steady the ship. Uh, the question is, is whether he continues to steady that ship going forward. Uh, because this three-point thing is going to be a big deal. If he can't hit threes, then it's going to be hard to play him because there are going to be situations where he's taken advantage of defensively just because of his size. He's a smart defender, but it doesn't always make the difference when guys are just so much more physically dominant. Uh, I still think that he can carve out a major role in this rotation, and if he were to play well, it makes things a lot easier for Denver because Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, have they had to carry a lot of the burden last playoffs and you need other creators you need other guys who can be playmakers to at least save those guys some burden because you had Jokic playing 39 minutes a night Murray was at around 38 37 uh, but they can't play 48 and you need you need the guy who can come off the bench and provide a real difference uh, we're gonna see if it's Monte we're going to we're going to see whether he can hold up that end of the bargain. Uh, my stipulation at the beginning of this before we got onto podcast was that we couldn't pick Michael Porter Jr. And because I think, of, of course, he's the most interesting for all of this. Uh, he may not even play. Uh, that, that'll, be, that'll be a really tough thing. But we know that Monte Morris is going to play. We know he's going to have a role. And how well he does in that role could really defer, determine his future in Denver. Yep, I um. I totally agree. I mean, obviously he'll he'll have next season as well because I'm sure the Nuggets are going to be picking up that contract, that dirt cheap uh, contract. But he um, he's they'll, a guy that they're going to need to lean on. They'll pick it up. I'm I'm not sure if that means that he's not a guy that could be a trade piece. Um. Oh yeah, I mean he um that that's another good point. I mean he could certainly be a guy that they, especially this, this offseason if he has a big playoffs. You know, the Nuggets could potentially like be like, hey, we've got P.J. Dozier right now. We can cash in maybe a, a trade to help us, you know, give, fill another hole on, the, on this roster by uh, getting rid of Monty Morris while we still have the opportunity. Uh, because they, they're, he's going to be a guy who, yeah, I mean, he's, if he, if he performs well in this, this offseason and he performs well next season, then he's going to be, Someone who is going to be tough to keep given their their salary cap situation because Monty Morris, I think, is is a guy who just is in the right situation with the right people around him 
is a it can be a starting point guard for a team and the Nuggets like he could start for the Nuggets he really could but they've got Jamal Murray uh a, who's a probably a better fit next to Nikola Jokic than than Monty Morris is so uh and, and is just a a more talented player but there there are other teams out there who what they need is is a I mean a, a point guard who uh is a is a fairly like you know or has at least shown at times to be a good good three point shooter and is also, you know, very good at, at taking care of the basketball and, and just running an offense and just kind of doing the, the the grinding work of a point guard. Like, right. that's a valuable a valuable role, particularly for teams who have, you know, good wings or or wings that are going to be more the focused on scoring, and they just need a point guard to just go out there and kind of manage the game for them. That's Monty Morris is one of the best in the NBA at that. For the Nuggets situation. It, it kind of depends. It depends on if if Murray and Jokic are playing 38, 40 minutes in a playoff game, uh, maybe even more than that. Uh, surrounding them with the right talent is probably the most important, and it wouldn't surprise me if Morris was on the short end of that stick where a guy like Torrey Craig, he surrounds them with defense. Uh, Michael Porter Jr., he's a, an accompanying forward scorer. Jeremy Grant is another dynamic forward that they can play next to those guys and has some versatility. I'm just not sure that Morris gives you a ton of versatility in a playoff game, in let's let's say a game seven. Uh, so given that, given that situation, it, it could go either way for me. I, I hope that he carves out a role because with Murray having a lot of shooting guard traits, he could definitely slide to the two when Morris plays the one. There are ways that they can do it, but you have to be effective and you have to be able to follow through on the vision and and really put up numbers. Uh, one guy that, that let's let's bring up really briefly, I, I don't want to talk about Michael Porter Jr. We've talked about him enough. Jeremy Grant, uh, yep. he could legitimately take over as the starting power forward for Paul Millsap in this playoffs. And I don't think people are talking about that enough. Uh, it's very possible that the Nuggets could, could like they, they may just go back to what they were doing well. And it wouldn't surprise me if they did that through at least the first couple of games of the first round of the playoffs. But at some point you're going to run into a situation where there is an athletic forward on the other team that the Nuggets starting lineup just cannot deal with. And they have a couple of options to deal with that. Torrey Craig is one. Jeremy Grant is the other. Uh, Grant has had up and down on-off metrics all over the place. Uh, They were really bad at the beginning of the year. They came back somewhat over the course of the last couple of months. Um, I think that he's going to carve out a major role. I think he's probably upwards of 25 minutes a night off the bench. And then if he gets moved into the starting lineup, could be averaging nearly... 33 35 minutes a game and it's going to be weird it's going to be different it's going to be different from what nuggets fans were really expecting at the beginning of the season but don't be surprised if denver's starting lineup gets a little bit funky and jeremy grant is a part of it yeah no i was gonna say he was the other guy i would have picked as well um from this group because you're right he if if you have some struggles either with just Paul Millsap, you know, maybe, I mean, Paul shot it great this year, but maybe he struggles with his shot a little bit. He becomes, he becomes hard, tougher to play, uh, if he's not knocking down threes. Um, Paul could also, I mean, he, if he's, no offense to Paul because he's, we're pretty close to the same age, but he's old. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, so like there's, 
he he could be the guy. Certainly, if you're thinking of somebody who might get hurt, I mean, he Paul has had a history of injuries when at least with with Denver. So uh, there there could be a scenario where there, or it could also be a scenario where, like you said, they could they could go up against the team like the Lakers, where they're trying to throw Will Barton at LeBron James, and it's just simply not working, and you can't shift Paul Millsap onto LeBron James because Paul Millsap's guarding Anthony Davis and Jokic is got his hands full of Dwight Howard or so suddenly it's you know maybe instead of if if you get killed by LeBron James in the first couple of games you might be like I'm gonna instead start Jeremy Grant because he can give me some more size out there on the wings you know or even you know a team like the Clippers with with Kawhi Leonard out there you could see a scenario where they maybe feel like if making the shift away from Barton to Jeremy Grant can give them uh, at least a better a better chance of containing you know those, those superstars out on the wings I could see that for sure he's he's also a guy who's I mean he's been very good this season in his own right like you know the, like you said the on-off numbers aren't um, great but the, the he's also been one of their best three-point shooters and he's also shown that he's got that ability to be that help you know help defender and give you some rim protection which then I guess have nobody other than Mason Plumley to help to give them that nobody fills that a vital that you know very important role on your team and the problem with Mason Plumlee is he can't shoot the ball outside of ten feet so it's ten feet yeah <laughs> I'm giving him the benefit of Three the doubt feet. here come on now um, <laughs> <laughs> Jer- so Jeremy Grant is a guy who's just he's he plays a lot of valuable minutes for the Nuggets and and he's a guy who they I think they have big plans for in their future so. If, if they maybe want to get a look at if, if they're, they're having some struggles and they want to get a look at, well, what does it look like with Jeremy Grant out there? I wouldn't shock me at all to see it. He's going to play a lot of power forward minutes when Millsap is off the floor, but he's also going to play some center in all likelihood. And he's also probably going to play some small forward in all likelihood. He's, uh, he's going to be a weapon that they use up and down their rotation. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he's deployed and whether it works because it could not work. And if it doesn't work, then maybe you start to rethink some of the things that you're going into the season with. Uh, But I'm I'm at least curious to see whether it gets done. Okay. Last one before we, we we're going to, we're going to hit a couple of things before we get out of here. But last guy starter, which starter are you most interested in going into the bubble? Uh, I think it's gonna be for me. It's gonna be Gary Harris because Gary Harris is the guy who has been sort of your missing link to this team. Like the reason this team, I feel like, is in the three seed, fighting off from falling potentially all the way to the six seed, uh, even seven seed, which would be uh, catastrophic. But they're instead of being right there fighting for the one or two with with the LA teams, is that Gary Harris just hasn't been. Uh, very effective on offense for them, and they've missed that third player on offense. So now we it may be Michael Porter Jr., but like we said, he's he's in that other group, and we're not we're not talking about him. Um, if I'm picking a starter, then to me, if I'm looking at Gary Harris, can he recapture some of that form he had a couple years ago on offense, where he was a secondary option in terms of play creation? Like if you had a guy. Um, and this was obviously before Will Barton was in the starting lineup, so they didn't have that option with Will. But, you know, if you needed a guy to create with the ball in his hands from the wings, 
there was a time when Gary Harris was probably the better option than even Jamal Murray for that. And, and he was really good at getting at least to hit the shot for himself, being able to get to the rim and finish. And he just, he's, he'd been obviously much more down this year. He's had, um, he had the core injury, which you wonder how that's maybe affected him, uh, throughout this season. He, He's a guy who's probably not attacked as much and has struggled with his shot. But right before the, everything got shot down, he was starting to get it all back. So if they can get that Gary Harris, a guy who can, you know, get around 15, 16 points a game for him a night and shoot close to 40% from three, well, then suddenly that's a much more dangerous starting lineup than what the Nuggets have had this season. Last year in the playoffs, he was at 37 minutes a night. Uh, scored 14 points, four rebounds, two assists a game, 2.3 assists. Um, shot 47% from the field, or 46% from the field, and 35% from three, uh, 87% from the free throw line. If the Nuggets got that this year, I feel like they'd be pretty stoked. Like, and and that's right. kind of that's kind of interesting, given that that was actually even a fall from where he was in the 2017-2018 season, the year before that. Uh, I think that if, if he could at least recreate that performance that he had last season, I think they would be pretty stoked. They would be pretty happy with, with where he was at. And given that he was also defending a lot of really solid players during those two series where he was facing CJ McCollum and, and Damian Lillard a lot of the time against the Blazers and did a really good job against Dame. Uh, right. So he is the guy that I would have picked as well. Uh, this is a really big playoffs for Gary Harris. It's it, there's no other way to say it. This could be his last season in Denver if he doesn't perform well, or even if he does perform well, maybe that even increases his trade value to where the Nuggets decide, hey, we're gonna go all in. And you just saw Gary Harris perform well in the playoffs. Here he is. Like you can have him for the next couple of years. Uh, that wouldn't surprise me if I was. I mean, if I'm just looking at it from a future perspective. Uh, but it's gonna be interesting to see whether whether he can perform and whether he can get up to that standard that he set last year, because this entire season has been very, very weird. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was out of the starting lineup in the first round as well. So we're, we're going to have to see that's, that's going to be a really interesting thing with him. Uh, give me your prediction on Gary Harris. Is he in the starting lineup at the end of the playoffs? Hmm. I'm going to go with yes, because I don't, I don't see an immediate replacement, I guess, for him because I don't. You're not. I don't think you're going to go with Monty and Jamal. Uh, and I guess so. I guess it would be would you bring in Michael Porter Jr. or somebody to play small forward and shift Will Barton down um, to shooting guard or Tory Craig. Yeah, or, or Tory Craig. But or I Jeremy just don't, Grant. I, I don't feel like I don't feel like Tory Craig is is an upgrade in over Gary Harris. Really, like. I don't, I'm not worried about Gary Harris's ability to defend players and be a lockdown defender. I, I think Tory Craig gives you the same concerns that d- struggling Gary Harris does. Like there's, they're, they're kind of the same player. So to me, it's, it's gotta be like, we're gonna, we're gonna bring in Michael Porter Jr. and we're gonna slide down Will Barton. And I just don't see Malone going there. So I'm gonna say the odds are pretty, pretty high. I'll go like 80% that, that Gary Harris is still the start at the end of the playoffs. Yeah, I th- I think you're probably right. Uh, I'm I'm curious to see how they handle things in a Clippers or Lakers series because 
uh, in either of those series is going to be at a disadvantage defending some of those bigger wings. Um, and there's not right. a lot of players for him to defend in the starting lineup of either of those teams. Like think about the Lakers starting lineup. It was Avery Bradley. He decided to bow out of the playoffs, uh, but it, it will probably be Danny Green and Kentavious Caldwell-Pope is my guess. And I'm not sure right. how much of an advantage Gary Harris gives you over those guys because they're not going to handle the ball a ton. Um, and then for the Clippers, you have Patrick Beverly and then Paul George is their starting too. Like, I'm not right. sure whether Gary's going to be able to defend that guy. Yeah, but the thing about it is, it, like, they don't. It would be different if the Nuggets had a lot of better options. You know, like if they had a big wing that you're like, yeah, well, we'll definitely just be throwing this guy. And they said, but they they don't. Gary Harris, even though he's undersized, is still one of their best perimeters, if not the, their best perimeter defender. So. I feel oh, like I, I wouldn't question that at all. Like I, I do agree with you that that's that's uh, that's a thing. But I'm I'm still thinking that they probably bring in Jeremy Grant or Tory Craig in that situation as just somebody who's bigger, uh, because yeah. we're we're gonna we're gonna find out whether uh, whether Gary Harris being at six four defending a guy like Kawhi Leonard or a guy like Paul George or LeBron James whether he can handle that in a situation because. Unless it's Will Barton, then they're going to have to change the starting lineup. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, it's been the issue that the Nuggets have had this whole season, right? They they have had their undersized on the wings, and that's particularly when in the Western Conference right now is a difficult place to be undersized. It's tough because against twenty four of the teams, twenty five of the teams, you're sitting pretty. There's there's not a lot of matchups that you really fear. Uh, even against right. a, a team like the the Bucks, for example, like they could they could deal with Chris Middleton in that situation, and they'd right. probably be okay with Will Barton against Chris Middleton. And they, if you if you have to take out Paul Millsap for Jeremy Grant to face Giannis, then you're probably okay. But against the Clippers, against the Lakers, and potentially against the Mavericks with Luka Doncic, you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna run into some issues. So. Okay, last couple of t- couple of tidbits before we get out of here. Uh, the Nuggets will be traveling to Orlando on July 7th, which is now less than two weeks away. Uh, basketball is almost back, and it's inch- it inches ever closer, man. Uh, July 30th is from Friday. It is officially 34 days away. Uh, that's just over a month. It's, uh, are, are you getting pumped? Are you getting excited? <laughs> I'm... Cautiously optimistic. This is the best way to put it. It's it's a little early still, but I when I say it like that, it's just over a month. Like that's that's pretty fun. Long and happen in a month. And and honestly, like they're gonna play some preseason games before that too. So gonna gonna do yep. some exhibition stuff that maybe we get to watch. Um inter squad scrimmages, I believe is Dude. Which I was like in inter squad scrimmages and then I mean that's basically what we're doing the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> I I would love to watch an intra-squad squimmage. scrimmage. Jesus. Uh, squimmage? Squimmage. <laughs> uh, I would love to watch that where Michael Porter Jr. is facing Will Barton or Tory Craig or Gary Harris or one of those guys. And, and just see what happens. And just like if, if Michael Porter Jr. is getting back cut the entire time on the other side and or if he's just losing his man on defense, or if he's just shooting over the other team, because that that would be very interesting. Uh, but the other thing that that has come out, uh, Dave Dufour is uh, of the Athletic and of the Basketball Buds podcast, noted Twitter persona. Uh, 
he has he shared that they're going to be doing a schedule release on Friday evening. Uh, that's that's this evening. If you're listening to this on Friday, uh, it's going to highlight the national TV games. How many national TV games of their first eight do you think the Nuggets will get as a three seed in the West this year? Mm, they're at least getting. Uh, I would say. Well, we know they're getting two for sure. Um, against the Lakers and the Clippers. Right, yeah, those ones those <laughs> ones are locks because the Lakers and Clippers will have eight national TV games apiece. Right. Uh, and then, oh, they got um, – they don't have Houston, right? No, they don't. But they, nope. have, they have Dallas. That's the team that they still have. I don't think they have Dallas again. They don't have Dallas either. Who's the other playoff team in the West that they got to oh, play? Still? Okay, oh, so, the Thunder. So they got the Thunder they've twice. They've got the Thunder twice. They've got San Antonio twice. They've got Miami then, once, and, and then Toronto, Toronto once. So they could play Toronto, and that that I can could see. Be I can so I'll I'll see four. I'll say they're they're going to get four of those national games. They're going to get the two LAs. I can see them them versus the Toronto being one, and then one of the two Thunder games. I think that's pretty aggressive. I would put it at three, maybe even two. Uh, <laughs> that is, that's pretty sad. But like I said, um, the, the the LA games are for are a shoe in. So I I don't even know if that's true because like. You, you get into the situation where all of these teams are playing at the same time. Uh, they may decide, hey, we're, we've got Dallas versus Philly. Like those are pretty big markets, and we've been we've shown the Clippers three times in a row. Uh, let's give them the night off, and we'll just have them be on their nope. their national network. And maybe they they might even have limits to how many times they could show the Lakers or the Clippers. Like out of the eight games, maybe they can only show them six times, and the one time is the Nuggets. So that would be that'd be kind of funny. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see. I think the, the, the solid number is three, uh, that they probably get the Lakers, they probably get the Clippers, and they probably get either the Thunder or the, um, or the Raptors. That would be my guess. Um, on a scale of one to ten, how excited are you to see who the Nuggets will play and when? Well, I feel like because they haven't... Um really backed off kind of what leaked earlier about is basically going to be the next eight games in your schedule minus, you know, the teams who aren't playing. And if not, you just bump to the next. I mean, I feel like we, we know, right. Who they're going to play already. Like we think, we think I, we I, know. Be, I, I right, don't know. We think we know, but I would be, I would be shocked if they're not going to play um, the teams. Like, cause it's set up really well for the Nuggets in particular. That was like, Oh yeah, they were about to go through a whole run of playoff teams anyway. So, um, yeah, I, I guess sets up for them for sure. So I, I, I'm not too, I guess, excited to see that. Like in win, like yeah, I mean, it's on a scale of one to ten, I'm probably like a four. You know, like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. I, wish, I'm, I, 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 I wish I could say I'm going to fake it till I make it, but uh, listen, it's just you know, I mean, I don't care. Like I, I really don't care about the last eight games of the season. Like it's it's there's a little intrigue because they are so tight with the other the other couple of seeds. But like, just let's just get to the. I've always said like like if we were gonna do this, like let's just do the playoffs. Like who cares about the regular season? Let's just get that out of the way. And and I'm very excited to see who they're gonna end up playing in the playoffs. It's gonna be interesting. Uh, I I was gonna be at a seven, but I'm I'll, I'll knock it down to a six because I'm more excited than not excited. Just because I want to see who the Nuggets are playing, and I want to I want to be able to predict the schedule or or like see see what we think is going to happen and when certain teams are playing against other teams and 
whether the Nuggets are playing at 3 p.m. or versus 11 p.m. Eastern, and and they're uh, they're having to deal with that staggered schedule because apparently these games are going to be played all throughout the day. So that's that's more honestly what I'm what I'm really interested in. Like, are we going to have to watch a bunch of 3 p.m. Nuggets games? Uh, that would be that would be kind of awful. Uh, are you excited enough to watch the schedule release? Apparently on ESPN. Definitely not. <laughs> I will. I will check out denverstiffs.com. Damn right. And see the what what that comes in and But yeah, there's no way. There's no way I'm watching a schedule release for eight basketball games. I'm sure our friend Skip will have something up uh, after the initial announcement for the Nuggets, and maybe the Nuggets themselves release their schedule. In con- concurrently with the national television broadcast, uh, but either way, man, that's that's gonna do it for for this episode. Are are you interested in any parting thoughts before we go? Um, just like hey, best uh, best wishes to Nicola. Hopefully, the big guy gets well soon and uh, it's ready to dominate out there in Orlando. Hoping so, man. Hoping he, uh, hoping he gets back to the states soon because that would be that'd be scary if he wasn't allowed back in for, for a couple weeks. Uh, but either way, that's gonna do it. Uh, thank you so much for tuning into the Denver Stiff Show. Joined, of course, by Zach Mikosh. I am Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. Uh, we are going to be ramping up coverage over the course of the next couple of weeks, and you're gonna start to see a normal basketball coverage schedule over at Denver Stiffs with couple more editorials couple more interesting posts uh we may get a couple of extra podcasts going pretty soon that's a that's a nice teaser for the future uh without further ado zach thank you so much for coming on man i'll talk to you next week